Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. Well, we've looked at the meaning of the second commandment as taught by the catechist, and we've learned that this commandment, part of the first table of the law, is about how we worship God. That we are not to make any image or any representation of God. We're not to worship him in any way that he has not specifically commanded in his word. So to complete our look at Lord's Day 35, we have two further questions and answers that we need to consider. But before we begin, read Isaiah 40, verse 18 to verse 31, and make a wee note of how the prophet Isaiah compares the greatness of God with the pathetic worthlessness of the idols made with the hands of man. He says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare to him? The question, of course, is rhetorical. There is nothing that can compare with Almighty God. No image, no idol, no statue. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. The Catechist asks in question 97, May we then not make any image at all? The answer is, God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way. Creatures may be portrayed, but God forbids us to make or to have any images of them in order to worship them or to serve God through them. So can God never be visually portrayed? As we learned in our last lesson, we simply don't know what Jesus looked like. We certainly can't ever picture or imagine God the Father in our finite minds, for he is a spirit. Unlike the fanatical fringe of the charismatic surge, who think that the Holy Spirit is blue and fun-loving. But God should never be visually portrayed. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. What constitutes a graven image? We certainly know that we're not to make statues and icons that purport to be representations of God, whether God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Ghost. That was the sin of Israel, and why they were so sternly warned against it in the Scriptures. Exodus 34 and 17, You shall make no moulded gods for yourselves. Well, we wouldn't do anything like that. Or would we? Isn't Jesus God? Well, of course he is. And don't we often give our children books that have pictures of Jesus, allegedly? Should we do that? 
You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. Let's do a case study. In 2004, Mel Gibson, he's a Catholic film director, produced a film known as The Passion of the Christ. It was a feature-length film. Described by Wikipedia, it depicts the passion of Jesus, largely according to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It also draws on Catholic pious accounts, such as the Friday of Sorrows, along with other Catholic devotional writings, such as the Marian apparitions attributed to Anne Catherine Emmerich. Surprisingly, though, an awful lot of evangelicals went to see that film, and some people took non-Christians along, many hoping to use this film as an evangelistic tool. I know that quite a few church people had been to see the film in Belfast. So the following Lord's Day, after the film premiered, I preached on the Second Commandment and called on any professing believers who had been to see that movie to repent of that sin and to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I believe you may it wasn't a popular sermon, not by any sense of the word. So what do you think? Put aside your preconceived ideas, put aside even your own experiences, even if you actually watch the film yourself, and ask, in the light of what we have learned in Lord's Day 35, was this a breach of the Second Commandment? And should Christians have supported it in any way? But what about artwork showing animals or people? Does the Second Commandment mean that we should never have any statues at all? Or that Christians can never appreciate beautiful art? Well, certainly not. The Catechist says creatures may be portrayed. His reasoning is very clear here. We cannot see God. We cannot perceive God. We cannot visualise him in our minds. So how can we even hope to depict him? But we can see the created world around us. We can see animals and nature and people. And we can see the works of our hands, our buildings and our engineering achievements. So there's no reason that we can't make statues of famous people or historical figures. Over the past number of years, there's been quite a lot of talk about statues. The Catechist sees no biblical prohibition of statues of people or artworks or photographs or paintings or movies with two very important conditions and stipulations. We are never to worship any visual portrayal of anything, and we're never to use such images to serve God. If we claim that our making of an image or an idol is to serve God, we are deluding ourselves. But what then about the Roman Catholic practice of erecting statues of saints? Some Catholics will argue that they do not worship the Blessed Virgin Mary, but that she and her visual representations encourage them in their devotion to her son. Now the Catechist will have none of this. We're not to attempt to serve God through visual representations, whether those images are religious or depictions of the most mundane or banal nature. 
you can see the importance of the Catechist Clare warning about this when you see groups of religious devotees standing around some statue, hoping that an inanimate object will shed a tear or smile upon them. The dangers of visual imagery leading to superstition cannot be overestimated. Now this brings us to our final question and answer of Lord's Day 35. Question 98. But may images not be tolerated in the churches as, quote, books for the laity, unquote? The answer is no, for we should not be wiser than God. He wants his people to be taught not by means of dumb images, but by the living preaching of his word. Many of the so-called laity in the days when the catechism was written were illiterate. They couldn't read or write very well, if at all. And there are, of course, still people with literary issues. And there are children whose literary skills are not yet fully developed. Should we not use art and images to instruct them? To be balanced here, the argument made by many evangelicals who use imagery of Jesus to teach children Bible stories is that we are not bowing down to them or worshipping them. We're just using art to educate those who are unable to read and understand textbooks, and therefore we're not breaking the second commandment. That was the very argument that the people who went to see the Passion of the Christ used. They claimed that if they brought unconverted people to the cinema to see this very dramatic and poignant depiction of the death of Jesus, someone may become a believer in Christ. But that's not what Paul says in Romans. And it's not what the Catechist teaches in his answer to question 98. So read Romans 10 and verse 14. How shall they then call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? That's God's way of bringing people to faith in himself. Not through showing them pictures or erecting statues, but through the faithful preaching of God's word alone. Now we must ask the question, do we think we know better than God? If God says faith comes by hearing the word of God set forth, why would we question that and try to do it our way instead of his? Is that not itself a sin, thinking that I am right and God is wrong? And not only is the ministry of the word alone God's chosen method of conversion, it is God's chosen method for Christian growth. In 1 Timothy 3 and 16, Paul wrote all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, 
Please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.